Hi everyone, my name is Justine Rhodes and I'd like to welcome you to the Mentally a Badass podcast where we interview notable human beings that has has been through shit and is ready to talk about it. This podcast is raw and unfiltered because we believe that being authentic and transparent is the most important thing. This podcast's mission is to talk about what people are uncomfortable to talk about. Going through hell sucks, but it builds wisdom. Hope you enjoy. Everybody, welcome back to Mentally a Badass. My name is Justine, and today I'm going to be speaking with Thais Gibson. So she is the founder of the Personal Development School, and today we are going to talk about how you can tap into your subconscious to heal your trauma. Um, she is an expert in attachment style, so we're going to be focusing on the anxious attachment style on this episode. So. I'm so excited to get to know her today and talk with her. And thank you for being on here. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to chat with you. Yes, me too. I definitely know we're going to be learning a lot from you today. So in every episode, we like to talk about the the guest's past. So um, let's, check, let's start talking about your personal background and what inspired you to learn about the human mind. Um, is there anything in your past as a childhood or in the teenage years that that potentially could have been traumatic that is something that really changed the way you lived your life and wanting to do and help others in the mental health world? Yeah. So I would say as it relates to attachment trauma as a whole, I definitely had a lot of attachment trauma growing up. Um, so my parents go through a really, really rough divorce, um, you know, really extensive and just a lot of chaos, like a lot of extreme kind of fighting and things like that in my home mm-hmm. growing up. And so um, to be honest, like what ended up happening for me is that I was also an athlete. It was kind of like my escape. So I played soccer in university and got a full ride scholarship to a D one school and all these different things, but, um, that was like an outlet. And so right in my scouting year or right before my scouting year, I, um, had a really bad knee injury and had to have surgery. And, um, I ended up getting addicted to painkillers. So I went through from just before my 15th birthday, um, until about 20 years old, turning kind of 21 years old, um, a huge, huge issue with opiates, um, and was very high functioning, but definitely struggled, like went to rehab, all that kind of stuff. And just nothing was really working that well for me. Um, and I was still in school. I went to rehab in the summer, went back to school. And in one of my classes, I had somebody say to me, oh, the conscious mind can't outwell or overpower the subconscious mind. And for me, it was like, oh my goodness, everything now makes sense. Like Mm -hmm. everything, because, you know, as somebody who was like, what's going on for me? Like, why is this happening? I would do a lot of things where I'd like journal about it, Mm -hmm. delete people's numbers from my phone that I was getting them from, try to avoid people. Like, you know, you do everything you can to be like, I'm going to stop this. I'm going to kick this. This is the end. And then like, you just go back doing it over and over and over again. And so for me, it was like, oh my gosh, like, this is what's happening to me every single day. I say, I'm going to stop doing this. And my subconscious is the one that goes and continues. So until I explore that, I'm not actually going to find a way out of this. And that's why nothing's working for me so far. And so, and it's funny too, because like I went to a lot of um, like AA meetings and NA meetings and people struggle there all the time. Like people, like, it's like, I remember being very young. I think I was like 18 or 19 at a meeting. And I I remember being like, I'm going to, like, I'm too young to fight like every day like this, my whole life. Like, this is too, like, how am I supposed to suffer every day trying to battle this addiction? And like, what, I'm just supposed to like, keep going on like this anyway. So I just, I remember always thinking there must be another way. And then when I heard that, I was like, I knew this is sort of going to be the key that unlocks that. So for me, um, what ended up happening is I, I got sober, I got sober and I would never recommend this to anybody. People should get lots of support, lots of different stuff, but I just, I like ate, lived, breathed subconscious related stuff (laughs) when I was sober, not sober, I was reading and learning and, um, did a whole bunch of certifications and like hypnotherapy, NLP, all these different things, um, while I was in school and then like learn to reprogram what was there for me, which was a whole bunch of actually attachment trauma that I hadn't processed. And so it was leading me to try to numb out with opiates because my internal world was not in a healthy place. So my internal dialogue, my belief systems about people and trust and connection and safety and all these different dynamics of life were not in a good space to begin with. So when I really reconditioned that, 
that shifted a lot of stuff for me. Like that made like actually changing my relationship to what addiction meant to me uh, so much easier. And so, um, I got sober and then I felt like I had to tell everybody in the world, like, oh my gosh, listen, your subconscious mind has so much information to tell you, um, or that you can sort of unpack and find out about. And so I got really, really passionate talking about this stuff. And I would just give free workshops to people. I was so young. I was like, 22 years old. And I was like giving all these free workshops, like just wanting to, to get people to listen. Cause I thought like, I, at the time I thought like, oh my gosh, how does the whole world not know this? So, um, so yeah, so I gave a whole bunch of free workshops and then just people would ask me, um, like, are, are you seeing clients? And I was like, I'm still in school. And people would be like, I don't care. Let's, you know, can you, can you see me for client sessions? So in a very short period of time at a really young age, while I was actually still in school, I had a very filled client practice. Um, and went through, um, saw a ton of clients for a very long time. Um, and then eventually just had a two year wait list or so and, and was like, okay, how do I make this scalable? And then that turned into the personal development school, which is like all these online courses and community events and workshops and stuff where, um, I sort of teach in a more, or, you know, a way where, where it can reach more people and people aren't waiting as much for, for one-to-one sessions and things like that. So, um, yeah, so trauma for me was like a gift, right? I feel like trauma sometimes as painful as it can be, has a lot of hidden blessings. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I really unpacked like that information that was there for me, um, it really helped to shift my course. And honestly, I'm so grateful today. Like I've, the funny thing too, is like, I had my appendix out two years ago and I, I took painkillers for the first two days after and, um, it's, it didn't even like, there's no effect. Like there's no part of me. They were sitting in my house, but I didn't even finish the bottle. I used them for two days and then started taking Advil. And like, I didn't even think about it. And for me, like, that's a representation of that. You know, we can reprogram the root cause of an issue to the point where like, we change our entire relationship to the issue. And it doesn't have power over you because the reason it does in the first place is for usually things related to a lot of unresolved trauma. So Wow. That was like, that was truly amazing. And and to be honest with you, I was going to like tear a little bit because you yourself, your story and what you went through and what you are today is exactly what my podcast represents is people who go through trauma, who's going through such a hard time and then have been through a journey where they're like, oh, hey, this is like my calling to help others who may be experiencing uh certain like you know certain certain things so with you like I was listening to your journey and really it was it was like completely connecting and even though you know it's things to go through trauma as a child as you were saying it's like it was meant to happen because you are what you're doing is that you're reaching thousands and thousands of people I did my research on you and you have like 200,000 YouTube subscribers, you post daily videos, which by the way, kudos to you because I will be burned (laughs) out. I I literally was just like, I I do social media management, like full time and such. And I'm just like, so I know how it is on social media and you doing that one like daily and such. Um, kudos to you. Um, I don't know if you have help. I'm assuming you are, unless you're like, I don't edit them myself or anything. Okay. I I was going to say, I was like, I was like, I love all that stuff. I like sharing and teaching. So yeah. me out at all well yeah. just, just so social media justina saying amazing okay now I'm going back to mentally a badass justine so <laughs> sorry sometimes get a little like sidetracked because uh, there's so many things you can study in psychology so i was like wondering why you particularly that um why you went through that so i didn't know if you went through something maybe yourself but if you grew up in a household where you're constantly seeing your parents um you know fighting and you're and you're feeling like that negative energy and chaos you know you just want to get the house you just want to do sports and then you said you hurt yourself and then got yourself and then it got you hurt yourself and then you got addicted um to painkillers which is something that you know does happen to a lot of people and it's hard like you know once you do have that addiction it's really hard to you know get off that and then going through withdrawals and such but then also when you were talking about the subconscious mind it's like literally all of that pain is in your subconscious like even like there's so many people that walk this earth that let's say go through something similar like like in a chaotic household or just go through something traumatic and then think oh no it's fine like it's no big deal so many people think like that and then they 
they react in certain ways where it can hurt others and they don't realize what they're doing because it's like their subconscious that is really acting. So it's, it's even though our subconscious or subconscious, it really, you know, intertwines with our consciousness, which is projecting all of that negativity. So I think what you're doing is amazing, which get into the root cause. And I'm like a huge believer is, is getting to the root cause. I mean, I've been through so many different uh, treatments such as I've, you know, I've taken medication for my bipolar and, you know, I've done, I, I, I'm on my own personal development journey, you know, self-care, there's so many things that people can do to help their mental health, but you know, there's only, there's not as many people who really were like, okay, we need to get to the root cause of what is happening. And then I've been, I've seen so many therapists throughout my whole life. And there was only like one person who actually helped me, like truly helped me. And I had, I I know this is kind of a little bit about me, but it's kind of like good for the purpose of this conversation. But there was one thing that I struggled with and that was like my, uh, my self-worth growing up because I was, I was bullied a lot and always put down. I was, yeah. So I had a therapist that was able to get out why I felt that way. And I started crying randomly. Like it was something where I'll be talking and then just all of a sudden just crying. And ever since I had that conversation, ever since I let all of that out, I truly did not believe that anymore, that I was, that I was worthless. So that therapist was able to dig deep into that subconscious mind, even though I didn't know, like, okay, I'm assuming, oh yeah, it's probably because I've been bullied and mistreated by others. But there was one person that really, I guess, made me feel worthless and I guess figuring out who that primary person was and bringing it to that surface and then letting it all out that made like healed me wow so, yeah 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 it's yes. so interesting because one of the big things touching on that is like so people have different core beliefs right mm-hmm. so people will when they go through trauma like let's say for example what you just shared so being bullied mm-hmm. well the mind is always seeking certainty at a subconscious level so it wants to understand like why this is happening and when we don't have proper context for things we personalize it mm-hmm. so we'll say oh this is happening to me because i am worthless i'm unworthy it's actually a core wound or i'm not good enough or i'm disliked or you know these are different core wounds that people have and you know, the reality is that it's probably that that person has a lot of their own trauma and they're taking it out on somebody. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's what bullying usually is actually really rooted in. But as a child, as a young person, you don't know that. Mm -hmm. And so we make it mean things about ourselves and then we store it. And so like kind of what you're saying, and, and that's what, you know, in my opinion, a lot of good therapists, counselors, a lot of people should be doing is like being able to help you surface. Okay. What is the core belief? And then really challenging it, really questioning it. Like, could it be something other than you not being worthy? Could it be that they have problems at home, that they're getting bullied by their parents, that they, you know, and and by questioning some of those ideas that we might've otherwise been carrying for so long, we we can get freedom from it. So I love that. We can also do a lot, a lot more to actually reprogram deeply, but it sounds like you had a huge shift in, in such a short period of time, which is really powerful. Yeah, no, definitely. And I've, that's why I feel like, you were uh, you are definitely a great guest for me to bring on here is because I just love the whole subconscious mind and just with my personal experience. And so, yeah, no, I'm really excited to, you know, keep going a little deeper into here. All right. So I actually already answered the second one. Oh, by the way, all these parts were obviously I'm not sounding like the, I'm going to edit all that out. <laughs> but OK, so let's so now we're going to the base interview. So base part of it. So, um, so this is a question for you. So what age group do you believe would be the peak time in someone's childhood that they'll be developing those core beliefs that would sit in, that would live in the subconscious mind? It's a great question. So there's sort of a two-part answer to this. So, um, we actually take on the most emotional inferences in the deepest parts of our programming unconsciously. So there's sort of a difference between our unconscious mind and subconscious Our subconscious. We can retrieve information from. So exactly like you just shared your subconscious mind, you're like, Oh, I felt worthless. And so you can retrieve that you were carrying it the whole time. You weren't thinking about that consciously your whole life prior to that moment in therapy, but it was there and you could pull it up. Your unconscious mind is actually really difficult to retrieve information from. It's so deeply rooted and so deeply stored. And your unconscious mind is also responsible for like your autonomic nervous system functions, breathing, heart rate, a whole bunch of other stuff too. But your subconscious is where we have like the information we can retrieve, we can recondition, we can change things. 
However, our deepest imprints often actually happen first between the ages of zero to three years old, mm-hmm. followed by a strong second of three to eight years old. And it's because of the brain waves our brain produces. So what happens zero to three years old, which is so interesting, is sometimes people can have like a really profound abandonment at a young age, like if they're given up for adoption or a parent leaves, and they can have this abandonment wound that they feel like, oh, but after that, my childhood was stable and not even realize that, hey, there's actually this abandonment wound deeply rooted. Because even if we don't have language for it, we have the feelings for it. And when we use language later on, we're really just trying to unpack and and communicate the stored emotion that's there. And that's how we leverage language. So, you know, zero to three years old, um, has a huge impact. And, and, you know, sometimes people can have really strong feelings of being unsafe, for example, from zero to three and, and not remember it. And that's a big core belief that we can pull up later and reprogram. And so there's a really strong space there. And then from three to eight, we're still a sponge. We're, we're mostly producing alpha and theta brainwaves, um, which basically make us hypersuggestible. In, in other words, like if you go into a hypnosis session, you want to be very suggestible. The whole like structure of a session is designed to help you be in a state of suggestibility. So which means like being able to basically be reprogrammed. And so when you are, you know, literally all the way from zero to eight, um, we're just sponging up all this information. We're taking in all these interpretations and meanings and all these different things. And they can change because the subconscious is reprogrammed through repetition plus emotion. So like, let's say for example, somebody grows up feeling not good enough from zero to eight. Then let's say, you know, one of their parents becomes much more emotionally available and present. Maybe they're working on themselves and they really help their child to then feel good enough. And they give them repetitive, positive reinforcement, you know, help them with their confidence, their boundaries, you know, all these different things. And then that, that child has a better friend group after that and feels connected and, you know, is able to achieve the things they want to. And so, you know, that, that belief that was not good enough can change um, because we have neuroplasticity, but um, the biggest, deepest imprints will be from zero to three, followed by three to eight. So you know how when they say if you wanted to learn a language, it's easier before the ages of 13. When do yeah. you think it would be um, harder for someone to change their core beliefs from, you know, like you were saying, after someone, let's say someone over eight, who's over eight years old and their parents become more available and they start, you know, making them feel love and safe. You said it was easier to really, to shift that around that age. Where would you see would be like the, the, the time frame where it would be hard, hardest to remove that core belief when you were young to heal? If Yeah. Yeah. I would say there's like kind of this like interesting gray area. So, so, you know, if you get a lot of external programming, things can shift a lot, right? So you can have, let's say your parents make you feel not good enough, then they change, they start making you feel good enough. Zero to eight, a lot of that is like really easy to shift around because you're just sponging up all the input all the time. However, I find that sort of between the ages of eight to 16, eight to 18, eight to 20, even um, in that general sort of arena, you know, we are still able to reprogram, but it's really difficult for a teenager to want to reprogram or to yeah. have that emotional awareness yet, or the emotional <laughs> literacy to understand what it would mean to reprogram. So yeah. I find that that's a really tricky area because unless you have a parent or parents or some sort of like sibling, caregiver, mentor, who you've got a lot of repetition in terms of your time around, unless you're getting that external input, you're going to be pretty dominated by those big beliefs you develop between the ages of zero to eight. So unless somebody is consistently sort of changing this dynamic around you, then it can be a little bit trickier. What I find to be really powerful is once people are a little bit more consciously aware and and starting to build emotional literacy or deeping, you know, diving deep into this sort of like personal development space, once we understand how our mind works, we can reprogram And, and reprogramming, no matter how deep those things are, is possible for everybody. And so you know, there's, there's a whole bunch of different tools. Like, you know, there's 21 major ways that you can reprogram your subconscious mind. Oh, and, really? <laughs> and, yeah. And if you've ever heard the, the, um, saying like, oh, it takes 21 days to make a habit or, or I know, like 30 it, days, like 30 days. Is yeah, what some people say 21, some people say uh, 30, what you'll see from like a neuroplasticity perspective is it takes 21 days to create new programs through, through firing mm-hmm. and wiring of repetition and emotion. And this is an average, right? Because we have to remember too, somebody could have no limiting belief or or a core wound around um, feeling unsafe, but God forbid, you know, that person could be in a car accident and that because, so, so we get reprogrammed through repetition plus emotion, but emotion always takes precedent. So if there's a really extreme emotional event, like a traumatic event, a war event, an accident, a natural disaster, because of how emotional it is, we can actually 
gather immediate programs, no matter how old we are, no matter what stage of life. And so, you know, they say 21 days, that's a good sort of like guiding sort of light in terms of, okay, roughly this amount of time. But when you, what research shows is 21 days of repetition and emotion in our normal human experience. So for example, if I were to say, I am good enough because, and come up with, you know, 10 or 15 pieces of evidence each day for 21 days, I'll reprogram that core wound. However, for it to reach the unconscious mind, for it to like deeply, deeply be stored there. And for us to, you know, really not have to struggle with that again, can take a little bit longer, depending on how much emotion we can get out of our reprogramming work. So um, you'll see, like there tends to be this sort of gray area where it can be tricky if somebody doesn't know how to reprogram or what it means. Um, But, you know, zero to eight, we get the deepest programs. And then I find that, you know, early twenties and onward with a little bit more awareness and and emotional intelligence that we've had the opportunity to develop, we can really do a lot of that reprogramming for ourselves. Yeah. I, um, so I'm going to go back to in the beginning when you were talking about like ex external, um, you know, simple, oh, you said external stimuli, you know, from, you said mentors. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, in high school, it definitely, um, makes sense. There's not many people who are like, Hey, let's all, let's go reprogram our brains. Like most people are (laughs) like, (laughs) most people in high school are like, nah, I want to go to a party or or something like that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I would say like, for me, I started my whole like journey and reprogramming when I turned, I would say maybe like 19 or 20 years old. So yeah. So when you said around that age, I'm like, that makes sense because like, that's when I started. And you know, what made me go down that route is um actually YouTube, like watching YouTube videos, like seeing people like, kind of, like, you know, have their life together and such. Um, That was kind of like, I want to have my life together too. So, um, and then just, you know, surrounding people who um, my first thing was working on my physical, like the gym, like the gym was kind of like my biggest my biggest thing when I was like 18, 20, well, it is now, but like at the time, like that was kind of like my start of, uh, I would say uh, personal development and bettering myself. And then I just feel like that, like really puts you into the mind of what other parts can I, can I work on, on myself? Um, I actually did have a question about that. Um, Hey, listener, if you have come this far into the podcast episode, I hope that you are enjoying it. And also, I would love if you guys, if you guys are listening on Apple Podcasts, if you can leave a review, it helps so much um, in the algorithm to get our podcast pushed to new listeners. And if you're on Spotify, if you can follow us on there, that would be truly amazing and the more you guys share the more that we grow in this podcast and the more we grow the more episodes we can put out for you guys so yes thank you so much for listening and now back to the episode Uh, as i was saying so personal development can mean different things to different people such as like mental growth spiritual growth physical and social do you believe that people should work on all of these equally or should they work focus on one thing when it comes to healing their childhood trauma i love this question so trauma will always exist in the places like within your life. So that they, they occurred, right? That's where we want to work on them the most in terms of what's like plaguing us the most. So we actually have like kind of similar to what you were saying. We have seven areas of life. So we have our career area as, as a younger person, it can be school, things like that. Financial, um, as much as some people want to ignore that money exists, money exists <laughs> and it affects us. <laughs> um, uh, mental. Our, our learning sort of areas of life. Um, this can be our philosophies, our political ideas, our opinions about things. That's all under the, the mental area, emotional. Um, then we have our physical area of life. Then we have the spiritual area of life. Um, and for people who don't believe in God or something like that, it can also be things like just your morals, your values, like what kind of person you want to be in the world sort of thing. Um, and then we have our relationships. And so, you know, I always find that the best way of doing things is, you know, sometimes I have people who come into our programs, for example, and they're like, I'm going to work on all seven areas of life at once. Don't do it. (laughs) You will overwhelm yourself. You'll stress yourself out. I find that we tend to be optimally able to change things when we focus on one or two areas at a time. And I always tell people like, focus on the areas that are bothering you the most first. Like focus, if if somebody's struggling with like a physical health issue, then they may want to reprogram their relationship to food a little bit and their limiting beliefs about, you know, how they treat their body and, and reprogram their habits in those areas and things like that. But 
if the relationships are the things that are keeping them up at night, then like start there. So I find that one or two places at once is really good. Um, and I find that you'll see a lot of the time that your, your trauma, like if, if a child had trauma in their career area as a child, that means it was in school, right? So if, if they were in school and let's say they struggled in school, there's a core belief. I don't even like using this word because I think it sounds mean, but there's a core belief that people have all the time. I am stupid. And so if somebody doesn't feel like they can keep up at school, <laughs> to tons of people, I've been there too. <laughs> you get it? <laughs> so it can be like, um, I am stupid. I'm not good enough. Right. And then guess what's going to happen as you go into your career as an adult and you have to do things that, that remind you of school because your subconscious mind is an association making machine. Your subconscious is going to come up and be like, Oh, you know that, Oh, you made a mistake. It must be that you're stupid or you're not good enough. And then we feel horrible about ourselves and we sabotage. And so you'll see that's going to be like, if that's showing up for us, we have to reprogram it where it is. You know, wow. You literally just, just like added me, like, <laughs> you know, they say like, oh, you just, just at me kind of thing. Like that was like, no, oh no. The trend right now is saying, um, is this show, no, this movie about, it's like on TikTok. It's like, is this show, whatever. I, if I find it later, I'll probably tell you, but, uh, um actually it was on you it was on euphoria but like is this a play about us or something like that oh. you, you know it, it, it's like a it's like they use that line from euphoria and it's like a tiktok trend so it's like if someone's talking about it, people will be like is this play about us yeah yeah like it really resonates <laughs> yeah <laughs> no that 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 truly makes sense because i uh didn't do up until like sophomore of high school i did poorly in school i almost failed eighth grade and it was um I mean, at the time, not right now I'm diagnosed with ADHD, but before they're like, oh no, you don't have ADHD. You're just like not working hard enough or, you know, you don't care about school. Like, you know, just those kind of, so I'm like, you're thinking I'm just stupid. And then people calling me stupid. So um, I ha I carried that core belief. And I thought that I really handled that. But I guess like, I mean, in my career right now, I like, uh, freak out if I like if I like a client hasn't texted me back in like two days or something like oh I do something wrong or then I mess up or this like that I I like sometimes stay up at night like thinking these things and um yeah it, it, it's so now I'm thinking that I'm like I actually make sense or if I when I used to work a nine to five job and I'll get that email saying oh we need to have a quick chat I'm like oh god what did I do wrong yeah, <laughs> yeah. like the anxiety and it won't yeah. even be that big of a deal. Like if, if it was something that I did, it would be something super minor. Like, yeah. It, yeah. So the company I work for, they'll just have to, they'll say it very nicely too. They're not even like mean or cruel. Like it was a really good company I worked for. Um, But yeah, just, I guess. And then my anxiety would just like, I swear I would like, I'll get like a panic, like anxiety attack from it. So I guess it comes back from me messing up at school, getting bad grades and thinking I'm stupid or wow, that's. I'm learning a lot today and I love this. The subconscious this. really carries everything over for our whole lives until we reprogram, until we actually recondition this stuff. Because, you know, yeah. I tell people all the time, it's like, you're not born with this stuff. Like mm -hmm. we're born with certain genetic predispositions or different things, but like we get conditioned to think these things and we can recondition through the same sort of concepts and ideas. It's kind of feel like our, you know, our subconscious mind, like pretty much in the back of everything. And it's like carrying this, like Try to find the right word. I'm not gonna say like nasty stuff, but kind of. If it's like it's kind of, you know, how, it's negative. So yeah, negative energy. So, so I was what to happens? Yeah, you're you're hitting the nail on the head there because what's happening is that your subconscious stores everything. It consolidates memories over time, but it actually stores everything. So like it's like a big warehouse of stuff. And and you know, if you imagine for a second. Your subconscious mind is very survival oriented. So like, let's pretend that you're walking in the forest and mm -hmm. you see a bear and let's say you run away, you're safe, thank goodness. But the next day you have to walk through that same patch of forest. When you're going to go walk back through the forest in that direction, your mind is not like, oh, do you remember the beautiful tree yesterday I saw next to the bear? Your subconscious is like the bear's teeth. Like you, you remember like the big, bad, scary stuff. You remember the things that are a threat to your survival or your safety. So the subconscious is also designed to like fixate a little bit more on the negative, meaning that when you store things, you're more often storing negative interpretations. It's there as a, as a mechanism to help you survive and avoid pain and suffering. But when we don't live in like a world any longer where we're chased by bears or predators <laughs> or things like that in quite the same way, it can have other downsides to it for sure. Yeah, no, that actually makes sense. Like realizing, you know, your subconscious is like you're saying it's it's really supposed to be 
a positive thing to help protect you but we are not living in this world where we have to be like oh god we're gonna be uh chased by bears or someone's gonna eat me but also we kind of it's in the modern world we get scared of um like m- like people killing us or women getting raped i mean of course men could get raped too but that's kind of like the predator you know but you don't have the bears unless you're of course going out there into the forest but like they're not bears anymore they're like humans that we get scared of and i also want to talk about um this is this is not on my list here but let's talk can we talk about the news and how it can negatively affect our subconscious to so we can see something like someone got like murdered for example or someone got raped now like if if you never experienced like actually being attacked by being raped and being raped and such but then you do you ever like feel like you know you're walking on like the let's say nighttime or whatever on a street you're automatically fearing someone's going to jump at you and 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 rape you but like you in the in the world you never actually experienced that but you're seeing this on the news and you're and, and you're hearing all these stories do you think that can kind of be a little i guess similar in a way i love this question so we have to remember the biggest way we get programmed in terms of overarching principles. So there's lots of tools to reprogram, but like overarching principles, repetition plus emotion. So I'm going to be really honest, like, you know, so let's on one hand first, I'll, 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 as a disclaimer, people do go through stuff. Absolutely. People get raped. There's all these traumas that people go through. And that's one thing because that's a real trauma and people can also work and heal through that despite it being a really, really challenging and painful experience on the flip side. Um, the news is an industry, right? The the media, <laughs> the, they have incentives to sell. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sensationalism sells um, because it engages the more reptilian parts of the brain, which also make us more likely to get programmed. Fear sells and fear controls. So, you know, I control you. Listen, if you think there's a predator in your area or there's a bad thing happening in your area, you're going to come back every day and you're going to check in with me to see if how it is if I'm the news. Mm-hmm. And so unfortunately, you know, exactly what you said. I just love this question. And we could have a whole philosophical conversation about this for a long time, probably, but like fear programs, fear, you know, and, and when, when somebody's in the media and they're like, if you look at the media, I mean, it's almost exclusively slanted in a very negative direction, but if somebody watches the news every day, you know, the other thing that's absolutely wild is if you've ever, if you've ever seen somebody sitting in front of the TV and you're like, Bob, Bob and like Bob's like not answering you. And he's just yes. so into the television program. He takes a second to kind of come up out of it. So what's actually happening is when we're watching television, um, where our brain is producing mostly alpha brain waves, which are the brain waves that we need to be programmed, um, to, to when, when people are in a state of hypnosis, you're actually trying to get them into an, an auto or, uh, an alpha brainwave state. So when somebody's watching television and they're really into it, they're actually super suggestible. And then if you pair that with repetitive fear and then repetitive, like, you know, cause you've got repetition and then you've got the emotion part, the fear part. Now, not only is their whole, whole worldview being programmed in a negative way. Um, and this is where they can develop different core beliefs. Like I am unsafe or the world is unsafe. I'm powerless. I'm helpless. I'm trapped. You know, all these different core beliefs can come up. And then when you think of like that messaging that we get over and over again, if somebody's constantly going back to that, you know, if when when something becomes a subconscious comfort zone, we also keep going back to it, right? So if we feel unsafe, we'll actually accidentally seek out things that also make us feel unsafe because the subconscious is like trying to plan and prepare for that. It's the same way you'll see like, um, if people have like a big abandonment wound, for example, in relationships, they often choose emotionally unavailable people. So we we have this dynamic of like people who are more likely to abandon them, right? We, we tend to, once we have a subconscious comfort zone developed, our subconscious also reseeks this thing to a certain degree. So yes, I mean, like fear, <laughs> fear keeps people coming back. It keeps people paying attention. It, it makes the industry more money. It keep, makes people, you know, easier to control in terms of the, the answers or solutions you're supposedly giving to them. Um, there's a whole bunch of stuff there, but yeah, absolutely. Like, I think it's good to be cautious and aware about our lives mm-hmm. and surroundings and things that are happening. But I think there's, you know, much healthier ways of doing that in, in reality than, you know, watching the the news every single day or things like that, because it can absolutely have a huge impact on our subconscious core beliefs, our self-esteem, the way we feel about ourselves in the world and, and our ability to actually go and be present in our world, in our environment. Yeah, the way the way the rules I have and the way I think about the news is that, you know, I think obviously it's good to be aware of surroundings and things that are going on. Like, I feel like if someone got murdered in my town or even the next town over, even in my state, let's say, 
um, depending on if it's like a serial killer or whatever. Okay, yeah, I want to know because I want to be aware of this. And so I'm yeah. watching for the purpose of being aware. I'm not watching for the purpose of trying to get to feel certain emotions. Um, and there's also a lot of things in the news that upset people and piss people off and get people to fight others. And we already know that and what our currently our, our world is, at least in, um, I don't know how it is in Canada, but the U.S. can can be interesting. Um, so I just feel like I only like to use the news if it's like going to be a threat to my life. So I don't want to like hear about, oh, this person got stabbed in uh, California or something like that. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's yeah. sad, but yeah. do I really need to know that? So I try to, again, it's so hard to keep away from certain things, especially with the, you know, the evolution of technology on TikTok and uh, Instagram and just, of course, just the news overall. And it's so, I try my best to like really kind of shelter myself from that, which um some people some people um can understand that and some people think that I'm just like, well, that's going to make you ignorant for certain things or I'm like, but I don't need to know everything, you know? Exactly. And and there's a line. And I think that our input becomes our output. Like, I think that what happens, we take in and then it becomes the way we view our world. And unfortunately, yes. to your point, there's a lot of division in the world right now. And guess who the, the culprit is for that? I really believe a lot of that is mm-hmm. different news stations because whether it's selling mm-hmm. or whether they have other ulterior motives for controlling people and dividing people for specific specific reasons, you know, what that's happening and we see it and everybody turned off their television and everybody just got the baseline of news that they needed from some sort of like, you know, platform. And they, they gave themselves a little time limit of that. And they didn't propagate some of these things that are happening. I mean, the world would be a slightly different place. The news definitely plays a crucial role and there's definitely a programmed element to it, which is why we take our beliefs about things so seriously sometimes Mm -hmm. is because we identify them with our sense of self. Yeah. And most people aren't aware that the news is literally doing this to them. You know what I mean? It's like, they're like, oh no, I actually really feel this way. I'm like, do you actually, or is it just being told, like, you know, like, it's kind of like if you were sitting and watching the news and you're saying you're kind of like being like hypnotized. It's like, they're literally feeding you all of this stuff into your mind and you're thinking it's your, your opinion, your thoughts, but is it really like, you kind of have to really evaluate like what was I what was I consuming what kind of media was I consuming and I feel like people have more of it actually being their opinion when they kind of go more on the seed of I'm going to make content versus like constantly consuming the content and another thing that one thing I do like about TikTok is that TikTok's for you page is really good at kind of calling you out so if you're let's, let's say if you are starting to see put like watch political stuff for example and then you get you you start watching a video from like the start to finish obviously you watch it from start to finish then tiktok's gonna be like oh this is something this this user is interested in let's show more of it right and then um and then you keep seeing more and then you just keep watching and that's how like they get you so if i'm so if at one point if i'm going through tiktok and i'm seeing all of this like political stuff i'm like okay i need to chill you know and i'm like i need to get off this app i need to like engage with other things because I don't want to be like constantly swiping, swiping, and then like seeing just like horrible things. So one thing that actually was a positive thing, there's like this podcast, I don't know if you heard of it, it's called The Really Good Podcast. And this girl named Bobby, she went viral. And the reason her podcast does so well is because she, it's like, uh, she acts really sarcastic in her interview. Uh-huh. So it, like, it looks like she's being rude. And at first, you know, what's crazy. The first one I first was watching, I was like, wow, this girl's really rude in her, in her podcast. I'm like, she's such a mean interviewer. <laughs> and then, so, but you know what that, that I guess it's like with the subconscious, with the mind, we're always like finding the negative. And so mm-hmm. I was like, okay, wow. Okay. But in my head, I don't, I don't like to automatically judge that. I mean, I used to be like that. I'm not actually not really I wasn't really like that kind of person but I'm the kind of person especially working in social media and being a content creator we know that every a clip of something you see for like 10 seconds cannot be the real story so I went like deeper into the podcast and I actually like looked at her account and googled her and I was like oh it's like it was like her character and that's what kind of it's like an entertainment podcast yeah so yeah but so, you're a very critical thinker, you know, you can yeah. see yourself observing in the way that you're, you see your for you page and it makes you question yourself or wonder like how much you're, you know, involved in different things. Then you're able to critically think, oh, okay, you know, this one clip from thing doesn't necessarily mean it's the entire thing. Things can absolutely be taken and shown out of context. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, right. That's not everybody's space that they're coming from because a lot of people, especially the more somebody grows up in a a traumatic household and is stuck in the trauma, Mm -hmm. you know, unfortunately when people are more traumatized, they also don't have as much of a capacity as a very general rule. It's not Mm -hmm. like this 
overarching mm-hmm. theme, but it's more difficult when you're in a space of trauma. Like think of, you know, a time that you were in a really stressed out mode, mm-hmm. not critical thinking in quite the same way. And actually it's because brain activity drains out of the prefrontal cortex. And so mm-hmm. when we're in the space of being in like the reptilian brain, we're in like fight or flight mode, you know, it's just so much easier. You know, you're very obviously self-observant mm-hmm. whereas somebody else might just keep going down the rabbit hole because things can be really addictive that way too. So for that particular person, that actually makes sense. Like if you are, have already so much stored up trauma and you're kind of like working in your fight and flight, you are not as much of a, I guess, critical thinker and you kind of go more towards like, okay, what I see, that's what it is. What would you say to, to that person? Like how they, like, what's a step, step one that they can do to start leaving that? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, so it depends on what the trauma is, right? So, so for the vast majority of people, the only real exception, to be honest, that I would mm-hmm. say for that, that's mm-hmm. a, a genuine one, is if somebody has a big um, I will be betrayed core wound. So if they experience a lot of betrayal and distrust as a child, as much as that's a really painful wound to carry, um, sometimes it actually helps people like question things a little bit more and critically think and, and not just jump into um, opinions of, of what they're getting fed. Sometimes they actually kind of observe a little more and question things because if they couldn't trust their family dynamic, mm-hmm. then they don't necessarily just trust, you know, institutions and and the the information they're getting through media. So anyways, it, these things, these patterns can, can go either <laughs> way. But but other than that, you know, if we're in a really triggered fight or flight state, then our, our prefrontal cortex, we don't have as much activity in, we're much more in the reptilian brain. There's a few different things we can do. Number one is we can practice like reconditioning our nervous system function. So mm-hmm. we can actually like practice getting out of fight or flight, which is like sympathetic nervous system mode and into parasympathetic, which is rest and digest mode. When we're in rest and digest, we have a much greater capacity to self-observe. Small things don't feel like big things in the same way. We're not making mountains out of molehills and we're less reactive and we're more productive and responsive mm-hmm. to things in a healthy way. So one thing is we can actually practice that and we train that, right? We have to retrain that. We got trained into being in sympathetic in, in excess. We actually have to practice something. And there's a little tip like in the morning and evening, Mm-hmm. The first hour you wake up, the last hour you go to bed, you're more suggestible. So you're more producing alpha brain waves, which puts you in a, an easier state of reprogramming. So in that that space, um, what you can actually do is practice things like meditation, breath work, mindfulness, monotasking, light exercise, all these different things actually put you into parasympathetic mode. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we can retrain that. So we get out of that state. But one of the biggest things I get people to do all the time, and I think is really like a root cause thing that we have to do is isolate their core wounds and reprogram them. So like when people have trauma, mm-hmm. let's say trauma happened to somebody 30 years ago. Okay. Let's say it was when they're eight years old. Let's say they're 38 today. They went through this one big trauma. Okay. Obviously people tend to go through a lot more than yeah. one big trauma, the general rule, but for the sake of example. So they go through one big trauma. Why is that trauma affecting them at 38 years old? It happened 30 years ago. Why is it affecting them? Well, the reason is that for that trauma to have existed, we gave it meaning because we felt afraid. So if the Mm -hmm. trauma made them feel, I am unsafe. And then every single day, without exception, for the next 30 years, in some form, they kept that firing and wiring. So they kept telling themselves they're unsafe. They kept thinking unsafe thoughts. They kept scaring themselves of what all the bad things that could happen. And so they're reinforcing through repetition and emotion, the core wound of I am unsafe. So when a trauma happens, it's an injustice that it happens once. The real injustice is that we then retell a version of that story or take that trauma with us and repeat it in the relationship to ourselves every day over and over and over again ever since. And so that's, otherwise core wounds won't stay alive. If we divest from it, if we don't do it, core wounds atrophy, or sorry, neural pathways atrophy like muscles. Mm -hmm. So if we divest, we don't keep telling that same story, it, it won't stick around, but we do because the mind's wired to be that way. So what I get people to do is isolate their core wounds and do something called, it's a a belief reprogramming, auto-suggestion. And what they do is every day for 21 days, Mm -hmm. they have to look for evidence against the core wound because evidence. So I'll tell you the exercise here for a second for any of the listeners who are interested, but let's say the core wound is I am unsafe, right? So in that case, Um, and there's about 20 major core wounds people have a lot of them really boil down to these 20 major wounds. Like I'm trapped, helpless, powerless, unsafe. I'll be betrayed, abandoned. I'm going to be alone forever. I'm excluded. I'm disliked. I'm rejected. These sorts of like major things that people go through. So they isolate the core wound. I don't believe in affirmations, um, because your subconscious doesn't speak language. Your subconscious speaks emotion and imagery. So if I say to you right now, whatever you do, do not 
think of the pink elephant. You thought <laughs> of the pink elephant. <laughs> I know you did. <laughs> and because your subconscious doesn't hear the do not part. It doesn't pick up on the do not. It doesn't speak language. It speaks emotion and imagery. So you saw the image of the pink elephant. So when people do affirmations, it's like, it's like saying like, I am good enough. I am good enough. It doesn't mean anything really. Like it's, it's really hard to, to make a, a, an impact. If you find proof that opposes the limiting belief. So I'm not good enough to, I am good enough. If you find proof, I'm good enough because today I showed up for work on time and I did my absolute best. I'm good enough because I read five pages of a book. I'm good enough because I'm working on growing every single day. And I made sure I exercise and cooked myself a healthy meal. I'm good enough because if we find proof, if you look, if you can watch your mind on slow motion, the proof is actually an image. I read five pages of a book. You're, you flash seeing five pages in the book. So now we're actually using our conscious mind to speak to our subconscious mind. And so now we can actually reprogram where the problem exists. So whether the core wound is unsafe, good enough, unworthy, unlovable, you know, any of the ones I just mentioned earlier, if we can find 10 to 15 pieces of evidence per day that oppose that core wound. So I am rejected. I am accepted. I am disliked. I am liked. I am trapped. I'm free. Right. So like you're finding the opposition, find 10 to 15 pieces of proof for 21 days. You're going to get rid of that core wound. Then you get yourself out of this constant state of carrying that with you every day. Your subconscious is like the lens you see the world through. So you also come out of the state of like constantly reprojecting that trauma. And now you, now we drop it. Now we leave it in the past where it belongs. So that will help your nervous system calm down as well. That will help more activity to be back in the prefrontal cortex areas because we're not in this trauma and triggered state all day long. And that has a huge impact on how we feel. You know, what's crazy is that, um, so part of, as part of this brand, Mentally, Mentally a Badass, like on Instagram page, uh, my partner, she does like, um, actually we do like an affirmation kind of exercise on there. She does like actually something that's really interactive, but um, part of me, like, I used to do affirmations and I just didn't really feel like it was helping me. But in my head, I didn't say anything because I'm like, it could just be me. <laughs> because there's so many people because there's so many people on social media that is affirmations is like really like a trendy thing these days on social media. So I'm like, OK, well, it's helping other people. So maybe, maybe I'm just doing it wrong. Um, but so now I now like having this conversation with you and you saying that I'm like, OK, so I so what I'm so actually it's it's not me it makes sense what you're saying so I just want to just kind of clarify just make sure I fully understand it because when you're saying um I do you know the song where it's actually it's like it goes like I am healthy I am wealthy I am rich blah 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 you know that song really no, oh, okay okay so it goes like <laughs> I kind of live under a rock in my oh, stereotype so I wouldn't know <laughs> so it, so the song kind of I mean okay I mean on this podcast I, I do curse sometimes but it goes like this it goes like, I am healthy. I am wealthy. I am rich. I am that bitch. I'm the, it's like kind of like one of those like trendy songs. Um, yeah. So a lot of people like do like a reel with that when they're all talking about like affirmations and manifesting and such. So um, I even like have on my uh, phone um, from, from that, I have on my phone, like how, you, you know, you, you, you can name your uh, uh, like those groups, like you group your apps. So okay, you can yeah. actually, you can actually name them. So um, I put like in the area where I have, let's say like my uh, Gmail and such, I put like, I am productive. And then like by the, by like my banks, I put like, I am rich kind of things. So I did that, but now I'm thinking, I'm like, yeah, that's not really helpful. <laughs> yeah, but, and if, like, if, if you're like thinking of the email and the group of the apps as the evidence, like, oh, cause I, and you imagine yourself as you click it, like emailing people every day, getting back to people. Like if you yeah. have evidence and you actually have the imagery yeah. there, like motion, actually, the yeah. That can help, uh -huh. but if you just sit down and you just say, I'm productive, I'm productive, I'm productive, I'm productive, <laughs> I, it's just not reaching your subconscious mind. Like it's just not going there. No, it's true. Um, yeah. yeah. It, it makes a lot of sense because it's kind of like, oh, I need proof to support my statement. Exactly. That's exactly yeah. what you're saying. It's like, and like, and, you know, I used to, I should start doing this again. I used to journal at night and put exactly like what I did during the day that made me productive too. <laughs> All right. I had so much fun talking to you, but I do want to ask a couple more questions to close this out. So the second to last question is I want you to talk, tell, uh, tell my audience uh, about your personal development school and what it's about. And then also about your book attachment theory. 
the Thank floor you. is yours. Yes. <laughs> so, um, so basically I started a school, it's got 60 different courses, um, that really help you reprogram any area of your life. So there's ones for career. There's ones for like, even just understanding your career and getting to know yourself and like introspective activities to help you understand what you want to do. Reprogramming limiting beliefs. We have reprogramming lim limiting beliefs about money. We have like everything related to attachment styles, relationships, like people's challenges and pain points there, reprogramming boundaries, communication, like so many different things. Um, and then we actually have all this other really cool stuff in there. So I do a webinar with our students um, three days a week. And then we have other counselors, coaches, facilitators who also do webinars. So there's like a daily webinar um, from someone, myself or, or our team. Um, and we have all these um, support groups so people can practice communicating. They can do reprogramming together. So there's like event and an event like two or three times a day, every day, um, except for Sundays. And um, there's just so much opportunity to like meet with like-minded people, work on stuff with people, like rope up, do exercises together, and then actually have all the course material and work there. Um, so I freaking love doing it. Like I love my job. I'm so excited about it every day. Um, and then, um, I have a book coming out. So, so I have a first book called, um, the attachment theory guide. And then I have a second book coming out called learning love. And it really has like a deeper layer into the subconscious mind and reprogramming. And it's all about like integrated attachment theory here, healing our old attachment wounds and attachment trauma, um, and really learning about how to reprogram anything that we want to based on where it's affecting us the most. I'm so excited for that. I ordered her uh, first book and I'm super excited to read it. So let's all end off on one more question. I just was am looking for, and you can, it can really be like about anything, just like a last piece of wisdom that you would like to leave with my audience. Yeah, I would say that like, no matter what somebody's going through, no matter what experience they're having, you know, one of the most important things, if you can do this one thing from a healing perspective is stop beating yourself up in your internal dialogue, like mm -hmm. be compassionate towards yourself because all the different things we're carrying, all the limiting beliefs, all the pain points, the challenges, all these different things, they come from some form of trauma. They come from something we couldn't process emotionally. So we store it instead, just like the bear's teeth. Like we remembered it, we held on to it. Like we kept that with us. And, you know, you repeating it against yourself is keeping it alive. It keeps firing and wiring those neural, those neural pathways. There's this quote from a, a course in miracles. that says there are no idle thoughts. And like, it's true. Like everything is literally programming us more and more. So how we think about ourselves, how we take care of ourselves, how we show up and, and treat ourselves on a daily basis, either keeps like reinforcing that old trauma, reinforcing those old things, or we can do something different. So from a programming perspective, I would say self-compassion goes such a long way, just being mindful of that first. And then obviously, if you want to go deeper into stuff, you can use some of the exercises from today in terms of auto-suggestion, belief reprogramming to actually let some of that old stuff go. And I recommend everyone to like listen to this episode at least like two to three times, because all the information that you said is so valuable. And like you provide us exercises like for people to actually take from the podcast and go out and do so that's why I'm like people need to listen to this like multiple times because I feel like at least for me I need to listen to something a couple of times for it to really sit into my brain and to actually go and uh and uh do it um so yeah thank you again for being on here for anyone who wants to follow her on social media it will be on my this in, in my description as always but yeah thank you guys so much for listening and stay tuned for next week's episode